Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. The world needs to hear your message and your story, so don't deny the world of that gift within you that the universe has given you. Someone out there needs to hear your story because it will support them in feeling hope, inspired, and even transformed. Do you want to discover how I help get my clients out of their own way, show up, and confidently share their message? I would love to extend an invitation to you to join me in my free masterclass, Start Your Own Podcast from Idea to Implementation, on Wednesday, April 5th at 1 p.m. Eastern. You can find the registry link in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography Podcast. Today, my guest is Dr. Heather Brown. She is a psychotherapist, a licensed marriage and family therapist, a TEDx speaker, an author, and a relationship expert. Welcome, Heather. I am so happy to have you here. How are you doing today? I am doing great. How are you, Brad? <laughs> I am fantastic. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> Thank you so very much for taking and making the time to be here with me today. I am so excited to jump in and share a little bit about your story, your journey, and the beautiful light you put out into the world through the work mm-hmm. you do. So with that being said, let us do just that. Thank you. Heather, the therapist career would be a very demanding job and career on its own, I would imagine. Now you add in all these other things that you're doing. How do you prioritize and how important is prioritization and organization to you? Oh, it's huge. It's huge because without that, you don't have direction and you waste a lot of time. So I am a to-do list girl and I do have one every single day. And I have (laughs) one for the week and I have one for the month. Wow for the year. And the reality is I get to what I can get to. I'm really good at knowing what is the most important. And so Mm -hmm. my absolute musts happen. And then there's a whole bunch that kind of gets moved around (laughs) from day to day to day. So I'm very much on top of it, but I also have to realize there's got to be a whole bunch of wiggle room, especially being a therapist, because I get a lot of calls and texts throughout the day. I might start with four sessions, and I might Mm -hmm. end the day with seven. So you've got to be able to say, well, what can move if things need to shift? I was really good at juggling when I was (laughs) in college. And so I think I have changed that to minutes instead of balls. (laughs) You actually used to juggle. (laughs) <laughs> yes, I was a clown. I made it into a Barnum and Bailey clown school. Seriously? Yeah, but it was nine hundred dollars, <laughs> and I was broke. And I'm like, no, let me in. Yeah, I did a one person show in college. Mm-hmm. My background is theater. If you can't tell, mm-hmm. I did a one person <laughs> show called Sniffles, wow. and it was a one person <laughs> show on a clown character I created, and it's dear to my heart. Yeah. That is awesome. I still juggle, but not very well. I was going to say, how are your juggling skills now? I used to impress my children with it. That's for sure. Not, I love not, it. not so much my late husband, but my kids thought it was amazing. That is amazing. Heather, what motivated and inspired you to get into therapy and pursue a career in this field? And how long have you been a licensed therapist now? 27 years. And the levity of our conversation is going to go boom down the past. <laughs> but the reason I'm a psychotherapist is my mom was a paranoid schizophrenic. 
and uh, an alcoholic and she killed herself when I was 16. Oh my gosh. And so my childhood was largely like, let's be happy. Let's be the good, beautiful little girl and keep mommy happy and keep mommy here if you can. Mm -hmm. And so when she passed, it was just a lot to do life without this person who I spent my whole life trying to encourage to live. And then I was disowned by my dad because he really needed me to be smart and practical because I was very bright and do Mm -hmm. the wise college route. And I wanted to run away and do theater. And he maybe wisely wasn't willing to pay for that. And so he said, Mm. if you do theater, you're on your own. And I said, fine, I'm done doing life for everybody else. And it was a long journey for me to actually find who I was and how to be in this world. And in the whole process, it kept morphing. I did attempt professional theater for a couple of years. I did do well, but not well enough. And one day God said to me, instead of pretending to be somebody you're not, how about you help people be who they are supposed to be? And it was like the heavens had opened up and I had no response other than that seems incredibly wise and beautiful. That's profound as shit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's heavy what you had to deal with being the, almost like being the parent for your mother. I was a hundred. At 16 years old. I mean, basically. I started, you know. Before- little girl doing that. Your childhood was taken from you, basically. You didn't really have a childhood, did you? So here's the thing that you're going to love. Nothing was taken from me. This is after years of therapy. Nothing was taken for me because I was given what I was given. I was not given a childhood that a lot of people have. That was not mine to have. Now, I have realized that as life has gone on and how different my experience was. But as a child, I didn't know any different because you only know what you know. Yeah, very true. If mommy and daddy scream and yell at you, you think that's the way life is. So it wasn't until I was eight that I understood my mom was crazy. Until then, it was just very odd. But at eight, I had a moment where it became crystal clear. That little tiny tweak in languaging and shifting the mind to see it that way Wow, that is incredible. It was wild. wild. That takes a lot of work to get to that point, though. Well, I'm really to be here to help people be who they are to be. As the message you got said. God has been very diligent, and he's very (laughs) cheeky with me to slap me on the side (laughs) of my head and be like, are you serious, woman? Come on now. (laughs) And yeah, he does it quite a bit, actually. And I love that because he lets me know when I am really not, and it's not even for him, when I'm not Mm. allowing myself to experience Mm. the power, the love, the beauty in this life that I can now have because I'm aware of it and because I have so many more options now. But people back and say, would you have changed your life? And there's so many days I would never want to live again. But no, because it's brought me to here. Yeah, and exactly. You are who you are because of that, because of all of that. You are the woman you are today. When we don't, we get those gentle nudges from the universe, God, whatever you want to call it. And a lot of the time, or a lot of people don't listen when those little nudges come. Then the rocks, then it's okay, you're not listening. To, here's the two by four. Wake up and see and listen to the message that you're getting. Yeah. And how beautiful that is. When I was in my master's program, one of my professors said something that just touched my heart so deeply because we were all scared that we're not going to be good at what we do. And so he said, guys, you're going to miss stuff. And we all went, 
no. He goes, oh, you're going to miss stuff all the time. Because if you go down the path of child abuse, you've missed the path of grandma. So you can only go down one path at a time. So it's whichever healing journey you're on. He said, and anything that is really important that needs to be expressed will come back. And I went, okay, I will do the best I can with what I pick up and what I feel and what is shared with me. But anything I need to know, like a two by four, it's going to come back and I'm going to see it the next time. And it's true. It's because the universe God wants us to do everything that we can do to have this experience be as blessed as possible. And Mm -hmm. when we're not doing our part, if you will, the universe just lets us know it could be different, Yeah, but it's still up to us to decide. For sure. Yeah. My dad always said to me, what's meant for you will never, ever go by you. That is a total It is. And I live by those yeah. words. It's true. What's meant for you will never go by you. If it's meant for you, it will happen. If it's not, then you know it comes into your life to sh- show you something. And if it's not meant to be, you won't get it back again. Yeah. That's just the way the universe works. Yeah. I love that. Those words always echo in my head. I love yeah. it. I remember when my, after, when Ted died, I have, I mean, I get messages. So the message I got was, I have not so much as taken away. I have moved you. You're no longer there. You're here and I'm with you. And I wrestled with him. I went, you haven't so much as taken away. Dear God, what the hell? And he said, literally said, you're just not sharp enough to get it yet. And I wanted to say, you God, but like that would be a little too far in my cheekiness with him. But I did get it. Ted was in my life for almost 25 years, every day, in my life, in my life, in my life, in my life. One moment, one moment out, one minute, one second, that's it. And then never put back in again, which has, of course, been hard. But it gave me a new awareness when I got the second part, which took me even longer. I wake up every morning. And because I wake up, I therefore am here. And Mm -hmm. I get to have at least part of a day, hopefully a whole day, as Heather on this planet. Nothing else is necessarily mine to have. And it's whatever's on my plate. Fortunately, it's been my kids. It's been my practice. Some pets, some cars, some relationships. But if I view it that way, then I can receive whatever it is as a gift or an opportunity. And if something is removed, there is that place. And I use this all the time in my grief work with people. You have gotten all you were to receive. And that stays yours. And you will never lose that. You'll never lose any of the love that you have had. You just don't get more. And that's the part that frees the people, but that's also the part that's so friggin' hard Mm because we want more. Of course, always. Going to be the path that we're given. I love that. Thank you very much for sharing that, Heather. You're welcome. When you're doing your therapy work, do you find it hard not to bring your work home with you? And how do you deal with that? so that you do your best not to do just that. I mean, I'm sure now, so far into your career where you are now, you've learned, but early on, was that a problem or is it still? It depends upon the health of the clients. And so I'm very careful in screening who I see Mm. Okay, because I want to make certain that I really feel I'm well-equipped and I want to make certain that I really feel as much as I can that we have a bond. So we're going to walk this together. The place where it becomes incredibly uncomfortable and hard is if you don't have that and someone goes into crisis, but not crisis where they need to be hospitalized, 
lots of acting out behavior. And if you have people who are not willing to really navigate with you what it is that is healthier for them, that's when you can get the middle of the night phone calls. And I have had to not take a couple of clients back in my practice of 27 years. There's four clients that once we wrapped up, but once we wrapped up, I have chosen to not take them back, which on my heart, it's sad because I'd like to be able to be there for everyone. However, they were so just so not respectful of what we laid out. So I would get phone calls at midnight, one, two, three in the morning on the weekend, on the holidays saying we need a session now. And it's not 1-800-CALL-HEATHER-THERAPIST. So they'd say, this is the work we need to do. I can't work with you if you only call me in crisis. I can help you from bleeding out, but I'm not helping you get to the core. We've got to get to the core. They didn't want that. They really just wanted someone at the emergency moment. And that's not my type of therapy. So in those situations, it's brutal, but I'm very clear. I'm very direct. And so the people really know what our commitment to each other is. And I work deeply So yes, I carry my people with me always, but I've also learned to just incorporate that as part of who I am. I'm praying for them throughout the day. I'm thinking about them. It's not like Heather in the office and now Heather is another person, but I've also learned to do this life, holding on to them all throughout the day and and have that actually be a gift and a blessing. It takes Mm. me to deeper places of tenderness, takes me to deeper places of contemplation And so I'm grateful for that integration. But I also think that's what makes me very different than most therapists. Because like I'll text somebody at seven in the morning when they're having surgery. I'll call them that night and say, do you want to talk? I know when they have that important interview. So their life is important to me. Yeah. But at at the same time, you have to have those boundaries for yourself. I mean, you have to protect your mental health. Because you're taking on a lot. You're listening to people's issues that they're dealing with. And you have to self-care as well. 100%. I have one client who maybe we do two sessions a year. It's always phone. Mm -hmm. She's high functional. She works, complete workaholic. So she'll work like 90 hours a week. And so her message is always the same. How early can we meet? (laughs) And I always have the same response. What to you means early? Yeah. She'll sleep 5.30 in the morning. And I love this girl. I'm like, hell no. <laughs> and she's like, Heather, you could still be in bed. You could be in your PJs. It'll be on the phone. I'm like, but that means I've gotten up at 4.30. So I'm ready and sharp, Yeah, which means an hour and a half less sleep, which means it mm-hmm. will impact all of my clients for the rest of the day. Yeah. Six, six o'clock. I'll do six. And she's oh, like, I'll do six. That's so, all you get. Yeah. yeah. And you have to know. And I'm very careful with things like balancing out how heavy my load is, how psychically my load is. If I'm about to do something like when I was doing my TEDx, I was not taking as many clients that month before because I really wanted to keep my space available for me to be able to do what I needed to do. If I'm going on a vacation the month before, I'm very selective if I take anybody new. And I just say, I need to make certain you're going to be okay that I'm going to be gone for two weeks. So I've learned that well. Yeah, I've learned that well. But it is something you need to be on top of. Eating, sleeping, friends, activities. Yeah. 100%. Now, I've heard people say that work in the therapy world, that this work chose them as opposed to them choosing 
the field of work to get into. Do you feel the same way? And if so, why do you feel that way? Well, God kind of answered that one. So I would say yes. I think it's truly both because Mm. I can look at it as the career chose me, or I can look at it that the reason I chose the career is because my heart knew that was right. So I think it's both. Don't we choose that which we think we are to be? So chicken or the egg, like which came. (laughs) Yeah, very true. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's both. I chose, how about this? I chose to be chosen. There you go. I like that. (laughs) What, in your opinion, is one of the most important qualities or skill sets in a therapist? Compassion. I'm going to say even beyond empathy in some ways, because compassion is a warmth that you have even before there's a challenge. It's, I'm going to care for you in your journey. People will reach out to me when I haven't seen them for a while and they'll say, I need my Heather fix. And I'm like, yeah, I know what that is. <laughs> come on in and I love on them and we laugh. Yeah. I also am incredibly direct with my clients and it's part of why they love me. So I'll say to them, I'd like to share something with you, but I need to make certain you can receive this with love. And then they go, damn. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, love. Can you feel it? And they're like, yes. <laughs> and then they say, I think you're screwing up right now. You're saying this, but let's go deeper. And they're like, I yeah. know. And this is why I came. So I'm very warm, compassionate, loving in the way I bring it. But someone literally said I was brutally honest in a Yelp review. And I thought, brutally honest. And I thought about it. I thought, well, compassionately, brutally honest. Yeah, I totally am. Yeah. But it doesn't serve people if I'm not. I had a gentleman early in my career, it's couples counseling, and he said, it was super early on. He said to me at the end of the session, I do not like you. Wow. Yeah. And I went, because like I have been a people pleaser my whole life. Yeah. I went, think Heather, think. And so I responded to him and I said, well, Okay. <laughs> it's a good thing you didn't mm-hmm. come to me to be your friend. <laughs> it's a good thing you came to me as your therapist. And this yeah. whole session, you have said I am helpful. So I will see you next week. <laughs> I walked out the door and I was like, what? Was damn good. <laughs> so we worked together very well. And at yeah. the end of four sessions, he literally said to me, I think I kind of like you. <laughs> Isn't that nice? It's always coming from a place of love, though. Well, but what it did, and as a therapist, it was it's one of the things I'm so grateful for. It freed me. My clients don't have to like me. No, true. I have to help them. I have to help them help themselves. And so that showed me, okay, other people aren't going to like you. Things are going to happen and you're going to have to deal with it. And so it let me be so much more ballsy. Yeah. really get to the meat of it. And so for that gentleman, though, it was a really uncomfortable moment. I will always be grateful to him because I learned but, so much from him in that moment. Well, you're not there to be their friends. As you said, you're God. there to be their therapist. That's and the way it is. And a lot of therapists try to be friends. So many people come to me and they say, I've been with them for three months and I don't think I've gotten anything. And I, t- I literally tell people, give me one session, one, not three, not four, not 10, one. You're going to see growth, change, awareness in that first session or do not come back. And, wow. and they know that every session, because every session I do what I think is my role as a therapist, which is to find out 
what do you need from the session? Where are you wanting to go? And how do I help you go there? So at the end of the session, I say, is there anything else? Is there anything that we have missed or not touched upon? And they say, no, I'm good. <laughs> and I say, fantastic. Oh, I have a wonderful week and I'll see you next week. But it's that place of what is it that you need? And that's the key, in my opinion, in the helping profession, always. Mm -hmm. How can it be a service to you? Well, I think that's the part of the key to life is to be in yeah. service and of service to people. That's part of why we're all here on this planet is to be in and of service. Yeah. It's That's it. Plain and simple. It's pretty simple when you think about it. It really it's so is. Simple. Like it we is. Love people, love yes. ourselves, love yeah. the journey and help people do the same for them and allow them to do the same for us so that we can receive that. Oh, that's the other thing. For a lot of us, that's a real tricky place. That is the key right there is the receiving bit. And I'm I'm going through that journey right now with learning to receive because I'm a giver. I love to give and to help and to support people. But this is another lesson I learned when I was in Vegas because this came up multiple times is that you can't give without learning to receive. It's a cycle. You have to learn how to receive. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to give. You're not going to be able to complete that cycle. You well, have and, to learn. And if you don't learn to receive, you don't really understand the beauty in giving. Uh, yes. Yeah. And in the other person imprinting upon you, which mm -hmm. is so important. I have a whole chapter in my book on giving and receiving because it is so important. Now, you're going to love this, Brad. Because you now know this, just wait, just wait, because the universe is so glorious this way. It's going to open up doorways within your life that you never knew are possible. When you start to decide, I am going to let myself receive, it just keeps opening and opening. I said to my daughter maybe a year ago, I have realized that I can receive your love more deeply than I have been. And she said, whoa, mom, what happened for you to realize that? And I said, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> I've realized I am now willing, able, and that means I'm going to be able to love you even more deeply. And she said, awesome. Am I going to be able to feel it? I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs> but as soon as I did that, like it, like you feel it open more. There's more. I can. And I, so I tell my kids, think about how much I'm going to love you in six months. And they go, I can't wait. <laughs> Me too. Think how much I'm going to love you in 20 years. Mm -hmm. So when you open yourself to that is why I'm here to learn how to love more and more and receive love more and more. We just start to become this human hug thing. That's I mean, <laughs> truly, it's like the womb. Like we're creating the womb for each other. They talk about going through the world and making the golden egg around you. If you do shockware work or yoga mm. egg and to keep yourself safe. And that is what we're doing with our love. If you will, mm -hmm. we're creating this beautiful holding space for one another that I am here with you and I will be here with you as you will receive me. And isn't that glorious? It is. It's beautiful. Love is the highest vibration on the planet. And yeah. it is John Lennon, Paul McCartney. They had it. It's they all did. you need. It, and as hippy dippy as it sounds, it's the truth. That's all we need. Yeah. In every situation at every moment, it's what we need. Yeah. When someone's angry. They need more love. When they're yes. sad, they need more love. When they're frustrated, they need more love. It came to me and I was at a market 
I was just starting my master's journey and there was this kid screaming and the mother truly was poor thing. She was just being horrible. Shut up or I won't let you have that lollipop. <laughs> and we're all in line. Ugh. And I remember thinking, I wish I had a business card to give that woman to help her out. And I'm thinking, <laughs> thank God I didn't because I was so not in the right place. So as I'm in line and the teller's doing mine and I'm in my head grumbling, shut up and what a horrible mother you are. And like all this dreadful thought. The man behind me literally said, I wonder what is hurting that child so deeply that he mm. is protesting so loudly. And it was like a knife had been stabbed into my heart. And I went, yeah. oh my God, I had no compassion for either of them. I wanted to turn around, but I swear <laughs> to God, I thought it was going to be Jesus or Gandhi or Muhammad. <laughs> so I like, in my shame, put my head down and paid my money and went out to my car and I thought, Never again, Heather. Never again. If someone is screaming or yelling, they're hurting. Okay. Recognize the hurt before you focus on the screaming. And that has become a massive key to my work, especially working with couples. Yeah. Let's focus on the hurt and then we'll focus on the behavior, the words, what have you. How can I help you feel supported, loved, cared for? So it's safer for you now to say, I'm scared, I'm worried, I'm frightened, I'm angry, what have you. Yeah. Yeah. Seeing that you work in two different areas of therapy, do you have a preference for one over the other, say marriage therapy or couples counseling over family or the other way around? Or is it neither here nor there? No, because every person, every relationship is different. But couples work is much harder than individual work. Okay. Because you have both people. Two personalities. And, and the relationship. So I really mm. have three clients. I've got client one, client two, and then the relationship. And the relationship's my primary. It's yeah. why so few people will do couples work. It's hard. Yeah. So that reason, I do not want my whole practice to be coupled because right. it's okay. harder. I also really like to go very deeply and you can do that more directly individually because you just go the one path versus so many, but it's beautiful to have the balance of both. It really is. And they sharpen me. They both sharpen me for the other. I'm so sure. I love them both. So working as a marriage counselor, couples therapist, what do you see as one of the most common things causing issues for couples or breakdowns in relationships or marriages? So my book called Speaking with the Heart. So we view communication as the words. So if I tell you, then you're going to connect with me and understand me. It does not work. And it's why almost every single couple comes to me and they say they have a problem with communication. And I nod my head and say, yes. And I, I don't immediately say, let's look at it differently. I love them a little bit, but then we do communication backwards. We do it, in right. my opinion, wrong. So it's compassion, which then opens up the door for connection. And when you have that, when you have connection with compassion, then you can get to the words much more easily. If we did it that way, I can say anything I need to say with love. Because mm -hmm. you and I are connected. It's why right. I say, I need you to hear this with love. And if the person says, hell no, I'm not ready, I don't say it. So we rely on the words. This will make so much sense. We rely on the words to determine the experience. But words are simply trying to explain what we're feeling. We need to allow ourselves to bring the feeling and then to have the words used just to kind of explain it, color it. So what we do, we're so silly humans, 
we bring the emotion flooded, massive, and then we like, this is what I mean. But the person listening's like, and lost. Yeah. It's so yeah. huge. It's so big. And they're like, angry? This feels like suicidal. It doesn't match up. And so yeah. bro- you don't understand me. I'm like, dear God, I don't understand you. What the hell is this? Yes. Yeah. Instead of giving ourselves the opportunity to really bring the crystallization of what it is. I'm sad. I'm lonely. Can you hug me? So the biggest problem is we do not know how to share our feelings, our thoughts, our beliefs, our emotions in a way that creates a conversation, a connection that is healthy. And this is a place where my mom was like such a gift to me. She was such a gift to me in so many areas, but I knew we didn't have the same reality. So I don't ever believe anybody else has the same reality. And most people don't think that. They right. think, well, you think the way I think. You're going to get this. And I never expect that. If no, because we're all different. We're all different. <laughs> we have different experiences. Yes. If I say to you, hot dog, most people will say baseball, mm. barbecues, American dream. I think dad's out of a job again because we ate hot dogs when we were broke. Your experience. So- it's really helping people find the way to share their heart and really take responsibility that your feelings are yours. Your thoughts are yours. The other person didn't make you mad. It's not the other person's responsibility. A person can't make you feel something. No. That's you doing that. And that is a prickly place with my people. It is. But I also say you're going to hate it and you're going to love it because it means you get to decide really the outcome of this for you, which is heavenly. You get to control where you go with this. But it also means fairy godmother, Santa, person on the white horse or the little princess isn't going to do it for you. So you are fully responsible. You have to be your own damn superhero. No one's coming to save you. It's a huge thing to step into and learn. Nobody can make you feel anything. And we can only control, we only have control of our reaction to situations. We can't control someone else's reactions. We can't control how someone else behaves. You only have control over your reaction to a situation. That's it. How you choose to react. But when you do that, you free yourself. Because if you say, okay, so I get to have control over what I think, feel, believe, then if I choose to, I walk into this little reality of Heather into any situation and I don't lose myself. If the situation defines me, who the hell knows? I was in New York when I was 18 and I was standing on a street corner. I'm six feet tall. And so I'm pretty much always the tallest person. But I was standing on a street corner and I think they were either German or Russian men. These four men standing around me and I looked up and I'm like, oh dear God, I'm small. (laughs) And then they stepped off the street corner and I became the Amazon that I am once again. (laughs) But my brain went, what was that? And I went, my reality changed my belief of me. I am not small. But in a moment, I was smaller. So when we get that, when we get that if we're not careful, our reality will define us if we let go of our definition of us. If you put me in a room of 25-year-old supermodels and you say, who is the ugliest person in the room? 100%. 100%. But I'm not ugly in my opinion. But I'm not a 25-year-old supermodel. So exactly. it's really important to remember that who you are stays if you allow it to. 
and the environment shifts. Now, when you take that in deeply, what a beautiful place of comfort. I stay me. Like I can kind of know me. I can feel pretty safe with me. And now I just need to figure out this world around me. So, okay, this will make sense. So in childhood, the reason why the child blames themselves is because as a child, it is too scary to think environment is not safe. If mommy and daddy aren't safe, I'm at risk because I need mommy yeah. and daddy. So we internalize we're at fault. We go through our young years with that. And as we come into our adulting and our reparenting and our awakening, we realize how no, it wasn't all me. This environment wasn't safe for me. But we have to be at the place that we've got that perspective to look back at that and know something other than what we have had to give us that awareness. And so many of us are so mad, like, why couldn't I have known this in childhood? Well, our parents just weren't healthy enough to give us that. And I mean, they did the very best they could with what they knew. What they had, yeah. But sitting there thinking about, well, why didn't I do this? Or why didn't I know this then? It doesn't serve you. Going back and looking, that's not going to serve you. It's only going to drag you backwards. It's only going to keep you stuck in the muck. So yeah. work on it now. I, all of this ties into this, doing the self-work, working yes. on you. You have to love yourself before anything else. And, and I that's hard. A lot of people don't want to look within Well, I used they to don't think like what they're going to see. I used to say, no, that's not true. I love other people. Like, I, I don't have to really love myself that much. Like, I love other people. And then the more I've worked on my self-work, I'm like, oh, it's different. Because when you really love yourself, then there's no reason to not love everybody else. Oh, you screwed up and you talked to me rudely. Yeah, I do that sometimes too. What do you need so you don't have to look at me in such a nasty way? You start to accept other people and their humanness because you have accepted your own. And isn't it funny that we think that that's hard? We say that's hard work. And it is. But what if we were to tell ourselves, I'm on the path to really love me then I'm going to want to do it a whole lot more. If I say, yeah. oh, it's really hard and dark night of the soul and you're, you, know, you have, to kill the, have to kill the ego and yikes. you have to relive all these traumas and we're going to visualize them and go through them again and break them apart. It's kind of, oh, wow. Just recently, I thought, look up the word vulnerability. I know what it means. I thought, no, look up the word vulnerability. And when I get a prompt, I follow it. So it basically said, putting yourself in a situation where you know that you're going to be hurt. And I went, what the hell? No Who wants to torture themselves like that? <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. You wanted me to look this up for a reason. What's the reason? I went, oh, so we say, oh my God, I have to be vulnerable to you. Please don't hurt me. And I thought, why are we doing this? Why do we not say, Brad, I choose to be open to you. Will you choose to be open with me too? And if so, I'm going to let you out all the way in. And if you say, yeah, not really into it, Heather. I'd say, okay, okay. Let me know if you change your mind. It's really willingness, openness, not let me like rip open my heart. Yeah, let me rip you open. (laughs) Pull out your samurai swords and massacre me. so (laughs) funny. (laughs) Keeping with this theme of couples and challenges and communication, all these things. I've seen many people around me and people I've come in contact with and spoken with, and you hear it quite frequently that it would seem that divorce is becoming more and more common. In your opinion, what is the main cause and why do you think this is happening more in today's society or is it actually happening more in today's society? Absolutely, 100%. And and I think the reason is marriage is different than what it used to be. But we are not changing what we need to change 
for that. People okay. used to get married, let's go pre-1970, yeah. because they had common goals, common plans. They had their own roles and they did not expect their partner to be their everything. Men had their guys group. Women had their women's group. Family was still very close. Also, people weren't having sex as much before marriage. Very true. I'm not saying that's a wrong thing to do, but Mm -hmm. here's a place that we are not talking about that is so problematic. If I have had the candy store before I marry someone and then I marry someone, well, okay, now I get the Tootsie Roll. That's it. So I'm not saying you you can't have sex before marriage at all, but we got to look at that. We have opened ourselves up to sexual pleasure and delight and opportunity. And then now you get married. It's like, it's only you. And I'm used to actually having many people or several situations or people for a short term. Plus the role of women has changed. So we no longer are the housewife staying home. We now are the career women. And we say, I am equal to you. Poor men. I am equal to you. You will treat me by God as an equal. And yet I also want to be the princess that you just take care of me and make me feel safe and tell me I am beautiful. So men are like, okay, what am I supposed to do here? Am I supposed to treat you like an equal and not in any way disempower you? Or am I supposed to lift you up and praise you? Or am I supposed to be the protector? So we've made men psychotic because we don't know (laughs) what we want and what we are. And then we also say, and this is another place, you can have everything that you want. Make your list of every characteristic you want of your person and you will find that person who checks off every box and they'll be perfect for you. I don't know what reality that comes in, but no one on this world was born to be perfect No, you, that's not their role. So we're telling ourselves, I can have everything. I can have like amazing sex with my partner whenever I want it and be loved and adored. And I can be corporate and And it's baloney. You have two people who care for each other and want to love on each other and keep talking about it and need to be creative and need to be playful and need to Keep it spicy and exciting. But we have not changed the way we do marriage. We've just changed the way we do us. So then we say, you're not pleasing me. This isn't serving me. This isn't what I want. I'm bored out. We've got to change the way we do marriage and the responsibility we take in marriage for this to change. Or we need to say the vows don't mean the vows. Don't get married. Don't say till death do us part. Yeah. I'm not sure I'll get married again. I mean, I, I'm not opposed to it, but I would need to be able to say what I said to Ted, which is I will stay with you f- until you die. Yeah. And in this day and age, pe- people don't do that. We didn't work it out. It wasn't what I wanted. We've kind of veered in who we are. But years ago, if someone lost their job and you lost your house, you didn't say, well, this isn't the lifestyle I wanted, so I'm leaving you. So Mm -hmm. we've become very selfish and we've become unbelievably problematic in marriages with infidelity and with porn. Mm -hmm. And so we're feeding the sexual frenzy in a way that doesn't honor marriage. It honors lust. Mm -hmm. And lust can be a part of marriage for Sure. sure. You want it to be. But when lust is a part of outside of marriage... You're in trouble. But if these are the things you desire and you want, that's fine. Don't get married, period. Like you've got 
polyamorous, you've got swinging and all these other things. If that's what you want, don't get married. Just 100%. sleep, sleep with whoever you want. Go ahead, but don't get married. If that's the life you want. I mean, I, I don't understand that stuff. That's not who I am. That's not part of, I have no interest in that stuff. And if I did, I certainly wouldn't get married. I had a client who was a player and he loved one girl and she wanted to be married. And I said, don't do it. Don't yeah. do it. You're a player. Don't do it. She's going to believe you're just with her. And at some point she's going to find out and you're going to destroy this poor girl. She's great as your girlfriend. Don't. And he didn't listen, got married. And guess what happened? They and split. it was a really sad divorce. Mm. She was devastated. And I told him, you are not someone to marry. You like having spice and variety. And there's nothing wrong with that as long nope. as you protect yourself and you're yes. honest. Yep. Now, sure. I loved being committed. I mm. loved that feeling of it is us. But that suits me. So mm. the point of marriage is not we could be great together for a while. The point of marriage is I am committing to walking my entire life with you. That's a different kind of commitment. And people used to really do that. And we don't anymore. What are your thoughts then if both of the participating parties are in agreement with a polyamorous relationship or swinging or if both parties consent to it, is it okay? Well, that's up to them to decide. Yeah. It's not yeah. to decide for anybody else. When I have had couples who have chosen that or are exploring that, I said, you got to keep the communication really open yeah. because it's, it is hard for jealousy to not creep in. It's mm -hmm. hard for insecurity to not creep in. I had a really interesting couple. The woman had horrific health issues, endometriosis and all sorts of things. They had not found a way for sex to not be excruciating Her. painful. Yeah. And they would do like everything else, but that was not something she could do. And she really wanted her husband to have that. Yeah. And she said to him, don't tell me who... And I don't wow. ever want you to see them more than once. Promise me you will not see them more than once because I don't want you to have an emotional relationship with them. Yeah. And you have to use protection. But if that is something that you desire, I want you to have that. And I sat in that room, like floored, thinking, how is this going to go? How will this be? She loved her husband so much and he loved her so much. And it was beautiful to watch the journey because yeah. they went in and out of him loving her so much that he'd say, it doesn't matter. All I want is you. So yeah. like, I don't need that. And yeah. then her saying, but I can't give you that. And that would be so pleasurable. And I want to be able to give that to you. Like it was the most beautiful love expression, though they ended up at the end, just being each other at that period of time, yeah. which was lovely too. But yeah. there's a place of really talking through what you're doing because otherwise it, it could be a disaster. Oh yeah, for sure. 100%. I'm not, I'm not, yeah, I'm not secure enough for that. I would want to know, does she do this better? Do you, are you thinking about her? It, plus I love intimacy. And for someone who has been with one person long term, it's not the same. You can say I'm intimate with five different people. It's not the same. It's different. Yeah. It's the only one. As a psychotherapist, let's veer off the relationship part of it. As a psychotherapist, you also 
obviously you're working in the field of mental health to a certain degree as well. Have you seen a notable shift in mental health and bringing it to the forefront or getting more exposure for the issues of mental health since you first started to where we are now? Oh, massively. Anxiety, depression, cutting, gender issues, drug addiction, bipolar, absolutely. And a place that anybody who's in the mental health field goes into, there are not enough resources. On the practical side, how could there be? How can a government pay for everyone to get help? Someone's got to have a whole bunch of money and be offering it. And COVID created a massive problem and anxiety in social interaction, drug alcoholism, the roof. One hand, I think we're getting more educated. We're becoming more aware. And in some ways, we're taking so much better care of ourselves. And then on the other hand, I think we're getting more messed up all the time. So I think we're this weird concoction of both of those. Yeah. The more you know of these other things, the more we become aware of, oh my gosh, there's just so many layers to being human. And there's so many challenges in the world. I think there's still a huge stigma, though, around it. And mental health awareness is nowhere where it should be, nowhere near where it should be. It doesn't get talked about enough. And in my opinion, it's still swept under the rug. I think back to when my parents were growing up, that wasn't something you talked about. Families didn't talk about that. And it was just like, oh, no, we can't. We've got to keep up appearances. You can't talk about that. We can't let people know that. Do you agree that it's gotten better Yes. In terms of that. And why do you think that is? Why do you think there's been that shift in your opinion? Well, it's social media. There's just more, you know, internet. You can find out more. You can Google. You can find out. Social platforms, it's a mixed bag because it depends upon how you receive it. But TikTok, it's all over the place. Suicide, cutting, depression, drug addiction, prostitution, children, sex trafficking. It's all over. So there's a lot of opportunity to understand and learn But then there's also the opportunity of, well, what is being shared? So when my mom, well, she was failing a lot, but when she was in a really difficult place, I feigned physical injury to go to the doctor and I'd make up something, lied to my mom. And I would try to hand him a note that said, my mom is ill. Can you help her? And she would always snatch the note because there were no resources. Yeah. And no one talked about insanity. And I didn't know where to go. And so she was locked up, but there wasn't therapy and groups and there's meetups, there's online chat groups. There's so much more support for everything. There's so much. We have the best opportunity to help people that we ever have had simply because we can reach so many more people. But then there's also the place of, well, how do you fund that? And how do you source that? And Mm -hmm. how do you monitor it? It's dangerous. So in your opinion, then, how do we start making bigger strides with this and bring more awareness to the problem? Well, I think it's what you did in Las Vegas. I think it's what so many of us do. We have summits. We have breast cancer awareness. We have you know, walkathons. We have opportunities where we raise money. If you look at like Chalk Hospital for Children and the City of Hope, there's so much that is offered and it's up to us to decide, do we get involved? Do we volunteer? I mean, truly, I'm each lister right now. Yeah. And I'm going to put myself in the pot too. Yeah. Are there huge social challenges that you are donating time, wisdom, or money toward. 
But then there's the other side of that too, though, Heather, is I think about the ice bucket challenge for ALS a few years back. And I heard stories of most of the money didn't even go towards the cause. It went towards administration. So this is the double-edged sword, right? You want to get involved and you want to help, but is the funding, is my help, is my donation really going towards what it, what they say it is? You don't know. There is no way of you knowing. It's very hard to decide. Yes, I want to do this. I really do. But is my money going to what it should be? Don't know. And so there's That's a lot the thing, where you right? try to do some research and yeah. their funding, look at their financials, but maybe you don't give money. Maybe you give time. Time. Yeah. Time in lieu of money, I think is probably the better bet. Maybe you don't go to the large venues, but you go to the small venues. When I was mm-hmm. a child, my mom used to take us to the retirement homes and we yeah. would go, I would sing and play the guitar for the people at the home and we bring them cookies. And that's what we did. And so the you know, small plays, you can, my son used to bring in my neighbor's trash cans because she was yeah. a woman who was by herself. And so he took care of her trash cans every week. There's mm-hmm. ways you can do it where you know that personal touch is really from yours. Giving money to a homeless person, I don't know where it's going to go. No, buy them a coffee, buy them a sandwich. Exactly. So there's don't ways- Don't give them money. If you, and I don't, I give them granola bars or an yeah. apple. So there's the place of if I really want to know that I've got some knowledge of what I'm giving, then I'm going to be mindful of the way that I do it. I might send, if there's a fire, I might go through my closet and send them two bags of clothes instead of sending them $25. It's up to you to decide. And then I think there's also the place of saying, I gave it in love. I hope it's used well. Yeah, I had I was having a conversation with a friend last week and we were talking about how people it's almost like people have forgotten how to be kind to one another, how to love each other and all these things. And we were talking about that and it reminded me of an instance because we were talking about it doesn't take much to be kind to another person. A smile, a hello, what you can change the trajectory of someone's day with a smile. Something very small. It doesn't cost you anything, it doesn't take any time out of your day. And it reminded me of back in the summer. I was grocery shopping and I came out of the grocery store and I had put my bags in the car and I noticed there was an elderly woman walking around like she was lost. And I thought, what the hell, what's going on here? I got to go, I got to go talk to her. And I cars were passing by, people were walking by or didn't pay her any mind. And I walked up to her, I said, is everything okay? Do you need some help with something? And she said, I can't find my car. And it broke my heart inside because I thought all of these people are just driving by her like she's invisible. And so I spent an hour with this woman walking around the parking lot looking for her car. What do I care? It's an hour of my time. And this poor woman is walking around with grocery bags in hand looking for her car. And I thought, all of you ignorant fucks are just walking by her, driving by her, not giving a shit like she's invisible. That's terrible. What is wrong with you people? Bless and it you. took us an hour because she couldn't remember where she parked it. And she kept saying to me as I was walking around with her, you probably have somewhere to be. You can go. I'm like, no, I'm not. And I took her grocery bags from her. I'm not going to make her carry them while we're walking around. And I thought, no, I'm not leaving. I'll leave once we find your car. If it takes us two hours, I don't care. Because what I'm, I walk away and you're going to spend another, what, three, four hours looking for your car? That's not good. That's not fair. Yeah. It's an hour out of my day. It's two hours out of my day. Whatever it is, that's what we need to do. And we don't have that element has gone missing from so that's humanity. Like TEDx. That's the TEDx I just did. Taking that moment. And one of the stories I talk about is a homeless man. He was standing on the street corner. I rolled to my window put out my granola bar and I book. And he looked at me and he said, God bless you. And the man looked into my soul and I'm like looking at him and I'm like, oh, he goes back, 
super long light. Like I'm sitting there, oh, what's going on with my car? You'd be like, take it up, beat me up, Scotty. And so then as I'm, it's finally time for me to turn, I look over at him to smile and he goes, I got you. Remember, I will never be the same. Now you can say, well, he was one of those special people. I could have been Heather on any other day, rolled down my window. There you go. Rolled up yeah. the window and zoomed See away. See you later. Yeah. In that moment, just like for you in that hour for that sweet woman. And she was so grateful. She was so thankful and grateful for that. And I thought, you know, what really got to me was that could have been my mother or my grandmother. I would want someone to help them. I wouldn't want them to walk around a parking lot aimlessly for hours on end and people driving by and walking by her and not paying attention like she's invisible. That's horrible. That is, that woman is someone's parent. That woman is someone's grandmother. Yeah. It's a very have, simple concept. Alzheimer's. I have, I have contact with people who have Alzheimer's and they don't, they're never going to find their car because they don't even have a car. You don't know somebody else's situation. Mm-hmm. And there is it the doesn't- of, but for the grace of God, go I. Like, do I want to help others or am I just a little too busy in this world? And if you think back on those moments where you've done something beautiful like that, you don't ever wish you hadn't. I found a wallet in the street maybe yeah. a year ago. And I'm like, I think that's a wallet. So I pulled my car over, got it, opened yeah. it up. There was a receipt from the store. So I went to the store and I said, I think someone just shopped here. They dropped their yeah. wallet. They said, we can't take it. And I said, but he was your customer. They said, yeah, yeah. but that would make us legally responsible for it. Go take it to the police station. I'm thinking, can we just track this poor guy down? So I yeah. literally found him on Facebook and messaged mm. him and said, I think I found your wallet. You contact me. It took an hour, but- he showed up at the mall and he kept saying, thinking like, hey, if I lost my wallet, it's a hassle. To get all your ID. It, who gives a shit about the money? When you really think about it, it's about getting the credit cards, the license, all of that stuff. That well, is such a pain in the ass. Such a pain in the ass. Yeah. You know, and it, it doesn't an cost you anything to be kind. It really it doesn't cost but you a I cent. I that man <laughs> so yeah. much time. You yep. were with a woman who was overwhelmed, confused frustrated, maybe hurting, carrying marketing mm. bags for a long time. Yeah. I mean, yep. how beautiful that you loved her like that. How, what a beautiful man you are. Well, thank you. I mean, it maybe it's a little bit selfish because it made me feel incredible. I felt really good to be able to do that for someone. But how is that selfish? If I love on you and I feel good loving on you, how is that selfish? Here we go. That's the receiving aspect you talked about before. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's the Thank you. I receive that. That's I receive so what you just shared. <laughs> That's why we do it. Oh, we do do it to feel good. For yeah. them and for us. But that's the yeah. beauty of love. It multiplies. If I love on you, oh my God, I'm like I'm feeling it. Yeah, for sure. So you mentioned your TEDx talk. That whole experience for you, getting a TEDx talk is a huge deal for a lot of people. It's a dream for a lot of people. It's a bucket list item. Was that what it was for you as well? Was that something that you really strived for and wanted to? Yeah. 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 Okay. So because I do this a lot and this is my practices like this too. But yeah. when I wanted to learn to do an online program, they said, go on podcasts. So I thought, okay. So the first podcast I went on, fell in love with the woman. We've become dear friends. I will meet her in life sometime. And she said to me, you're a natural storyteller. I do it all the time. She goes, have you ever wanted to be a speaker? I'm like, well, I've been a speaker. 
She goes, what about mm. a 10X? And I said, that'd be cool. And she said, what, <laughs> what if I connected you with someone? I'm like, okay. So she connected me with a TEDx coach. I shared with them my story. It's a beautiful story. It's about my mom yeah. and me realizing how to love her through our different realities. And he said, oh, dear God, Heather, this needs to be heard. I'm like, okay. Sure. So All right. <laughs> and then I applied and it was my 23rd application. That wow. Got I mean, sometimes it takes you a while. He said, figure 50 to 100. I'm like, okay. And then it was a five-month process once I was yeah. chosen of rehearsals and practice and all of that. So yeah, very well may do another one. I have the titles in my head. I know what they would be if I do, but I would need to be able to commit once again to yeah. another four or five months. And so right now it's not on the top of my list, but yeah, just to say I did it. Well, to I'm have gonna... that little thing in your email signature, that <laughs> feather in your cap on the resume, whatever it, it is, is, it's I'm credibility. Well, and I'm just proud of myself, Yeah, Heather. So yeah. I said to myself last year, you're going to land a TEDx and you're going to get your book published. And both of them have happened. I'm like, super proud of you, woman. <laughs> and we'll see what's next. I have another book I've co-authored with someone, which will probably come out at the end of this year. And I'd love a lot more speaking engagements. And yeah. I really want to do some retreats where I come yes. in and help on the communication side and loving on mm. people's sides. So I keep throwing that out there to places. So speaking, writing, beautiful, retreats. but yeah, it was an you amazing, mentioned- anyone who wants to do it, I highly urge you to, it's a great opportunity to meet beautiful people. I'm in the process of filling out an application right now for one. So there we go. Oh, when you need to have test guinea pigs to do it. Contact me because you're going to have to do it a hundred times to feel really comfortable. I I will take you up on that offer, Heather. Be careful what you put out there. I will offer it. I think I reached out to every single person I knew because you get it down, you feel good. And then it's robotic and awful. And then you keep doing it and keep doing it till you fall in love with it again. And then it's blessed, but it's a lot. I practice it every single day for two months in front of someone live or online every single day for two months. (laughs) So as mentioned, you wrote your book. Yes. I would love for you to speak a little bit about the story, your book, what the title is, the subject matter, and what that experience was like putting that down into paper and sharing it with the world. It's called Speaking with the Heart, Transforming Communication and Relationship with Compassion and Connection. And it is 27 years of being a therapist. And it's realizing that we don't know how to do communication effectively. So showing people how to do it really differently, the questions to ask before you step into an important conversation, what is the outcome you want to have? How do you create a safe container? And I cover attachment styles and love languages and giving and receiving and fear and triggers and anger and fighting and how to not fight and sex (laughs) and money and family and intimacy and Sex and play and budget and holidays Everything. and all of that. Yeah, I cover almost all. I don't cover drug addiction. I don't cover domestic violence because I just don't think I can do that wisely in a book. Like you need someone in there with yeah. you. Yeah. So fun. And that came out of the TEDx. Okay. So Lisa, my podcast friend, started the podcast to the meet Caesar for the TEDx, did Caesar for the TEDx. And he said, well, this is a book. I'm like, I know. And I said, but I don't have time to do it because I'm doing the TEDx. So he connected me with Ashley, who's a book coach. (laughs) And she said, you're already doing the TEDx. Like this is part of 
your book. I'm like, I know, but I just got to focus on the TEDx. And she's, no, I think you need to do them together. You've been working on the book off and on for six years. When are you yeah. done? Now. So then I jumped <laughs> into that process. Because I didn't know how to write a book. And so I took mm. her coaching program, Ashley Mansoor, amazing. And she helped you see what kind of writer you are, how to be skill and also strategic and creative. She was amazing. She showed you how to map your whole book out. So there's a lot in writing a book, which is the pre. It's like communication. Yeah. There's a lot of pre. And so you mapped out what the chapters were, what you were going to cite, your important points you wanted to reach. So I send it into her and I say, I think it's pretty good. And the response I get back is, then you could do better. <laughs> ah, she sounded like God. Oh, so I ripped the whole thing apart, took a whole nother weekend. It was beautiful. And I sent it in and I said, I love it. And she reads it and she sends it back. And she said, I do too. Beautiful. So when I sat down to write, it flew because I had it all figured out. Figuring the pre was challenging, but it needs sure. to because you need it to be so cohesive. It needs to build yeah. and grow and you need to make certain it makes sense. And the part that was so fun is people ask me to write a book forever. My clients ask me all the time for books and I've come up with some glorious exercises. So what I do differently than most couples books is I walk you through it. And so I say, okay, grab a piece of paper. We're going to do this now. And then you go off and do it. And then you come back mm. and I say, okay, so let's talk about this. What did you learn in here? What can we share more? So I'm walking them through the exercises. So when Anthony from Post Hill Press read it, he said, I've never seen a book like this before. I'm like, I know. He said, that is, <laughs> this is wonderful. I'm like, I'm trying to make it like a workshop book. And it really works. And they're beautiful exercises. And then the other place where it makes my book unique is I've written it as a widow, which is a beautiful place because I don't get to do any of these exercises. So I come to the people, not feel sorry for me, but look how beautiful this is. Go grab their hand and look into their eyes and tell them what they mean to you. And so having that layer of, I so want that for people, really loves on them. So it comes out January 23rd awesome. and it'll be on my website. It will be on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. And yeah, I'm really excited. And so you um, should be. My baby. So yeah, my baby. absolutely. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before learning it? And what was your life like after you learned it? That the purpose of my life is what I choose for it to be. And that is up to me to decide. And before I realized that I was living my life trying to figure out what my message was to the world by how everybody else felt about me. And so I was very much trying to make certain everyone else loved me and everyone else thought I was awesome so that I could then look at myself as if I was valuable or important. Outer validation. 100%. 100 <laughs> Not even 99. 100%. It changed. Yeah. Everything. What do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? I am part fairy. And <laughs> when you say that, some people think I'm a nut, which I am, so I'm okay with that. But I exude joy and the world is so hungry for it. And we are so hungry for it. Mm -hmm. And I have been able to tap into that frequency within myself and I am so grateful for it every single day. And I do a lot like speaking with you 
which Mm -hmm. helps rev it up because I know I'm here to love on people and I know I'm here to help people love on themselves. And just to like, so, okay, so you're going to laugh. So I kind of went into a wobble last week thinking, oh my gosh, the book is about to come out. And what if nobody really likes it? And what if people don't really buy it? And I've spent all these years and I spent all this month and I spent all this money and what is it going to mean? And has it, there was there any point? And God literally said to me, Heather, it's just a book. <laughs> I'm like, God, he goes, it's just a book. Nobody yeah. cares that you spent a year and a half and a ton of money. You did all these courses and it took you forever. Nobody cares. Mm-hmm. You wrote the book for it to be a gift. You wrote the book to love the world. How about your focus on your book is to love the world? And yeah, I'm like, there you go. Yes. So <laughs> I received that. <laughs> yeah, deeply. Into this yeah. reservoir that was so empty and bereft of anything. So that to me, that's the place, like really letting yourself recognize the joy and the love and the fact that we do have all the answers as long as we listen. Yes, that's the key is listening. Yeah. We have two ears and one mouth for a reason. Exactly. Speaking of success, how do you define that word? What does the word success mean to you? Appreciating and being grateful for where you are in this very moment as you are in time. What does the word empowerment mean to you? Ooh, giving yourself all that which you are and all that you want to be. Okay, we're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions just be one, two, three, four word answer type thing, okay? If you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be? Loving the world. If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? To love yourself and the world. What is one thing that you love about yourself that is not related to your physical appearance? I really love that I'm a fairy. It is so much fun. (laughs) How would you describe yourself in one word? Ooh, it's two. My best friend called me this a long time ago and it's stuck. Winter's sunset. That's beautiful. I agree. If you had a theme song that played every time you walked into a room, what song would that be? Probably it's a song I sang for preschool graduation and I still need to remember it every single day. And for me, it is my truth. It might not be for a lot of people. Born free. Yeah. That concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. What is an unexpected blessing or occurrence in your life that you're grateful for? The ability to really be fueled and also to spark people in love and excitement and transformation. I'm so grateful for that every single day. If you could step into my shoes, what question would you have asked yourself that I didn't ask you? Gosh, I don't I don't think I, w- <laughs> I would have. Maybe other than... I don't think I would have. I think you've been amazing in what you've asked. Thank you. I received that. (laughs) This is a good lesson. I'm learning today. (laughs) Because I think that of what is asked is what is wanted. And because I am here to to be with you, I want to be with you in the way that you want me to be with you. Beautiful. Thank you for that. You're welcome. What is one lesson that your career has taught you that you think everybody should learn at some point in their life? To not take it so seriously as you take it seriously. You got to have fun. You it do. All, life life is short. Wrong. It all goes wrong. Yeah. And I was mm-hmm. trying to do a video recording for my website. The first time, the mic didn't connect. The next time, the mic and the camera were off. The third time, the internet was down. The fourth time, <laughs> I had, fourth time, I had laryngitis. So I'm on my bed sobbing. And I'm like, okay, God, I'm trying to do a video on communication, showing people how to communicate. Should I just not do this, God? I can't even and talk. I can't communicate. <laughs> God said to me, why don't you just use your phone? And I'm like, 
are you serious? <laughs> and so I can make it more complex. And God yes. literally says, throw out all this chatter, Heather, just do it. The literally the thing that's on my website is still the one that was from my phone. Will I pay for someone once again to do it? Maybe. But that's what we do as humans. We overcomplicate things because we overthink. I'm a classic overthinker overthink shit all the time and that's yep. what we do just receive brad just receive i'm working on it. i am i've had a few lessons here this morning in oh, our conversation if i'm overthinking i'm not receiving <laughs> every time you get caught in that say yourself whoa i am trying to make this work okay what is to come <laughs> so i heard a quote from a dj on the radio last year. And he said that overthinking is the art of creating problems that do not exist. And yes. that stuck in my head. Like it's so true. We are making mountains out of mohills. 100%. 100%. 100%. And it, it, that, that quote resonated with me so strongly. Yeah. It's like, yeah. yeah, it's true. And that is the thing, especially for an entrepreneur that I think is so important. I'm not saying don't be excellent in what you do and don't do the best. You can, you can do whatever you want. It's your business. But there is the place of saying, I really just need to get this done. I really just need to get this out there. Yeah. And so how do I do this as smoothly, as beautifully, as wonderfully as I can, knowing it'll go wrong? As I stepped out onto the TEDx stage, mm. you step on a red carpet. My foot yeah. went underneath it. So <laughs> I stepped back and I went... <laughs> did it again. I am so grateful I am where I am in my life because if I had done that five years ago, I would have been embarrassed. Life is messy. There's no such thing as perfection. Just embrace it. Let's just shit. You're, you're doing a live or you're doing a recording and you slip up with your words. You trip over your, who cares? And even just speaking about your TEDx talk, you're giving your talk and maybe you forget something or you fumble over your words or you don't, you miss a part of it. It's like, when you think about it, the people in the audience have no idea what your talk is supposed to sound like. So who cares? And they're going to anyway. They're going to edit it. So yeah, if it needs to be, or they'll do it again. One person yeah. didn't work well, so they did it again. But yeah. just to say when you're speaking or when you're recording something, if you fumble, who cares? What's right. the big deal? Life right. is messy. Embrace it. Let's just do it. It's just part, continue on. Exactly. Yeah. Heather, if you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one-hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? Living or past? Either or. It's up to you. My mom. I would love to be able to sit down with her and talk. Yeah. It's been 44 years. Beautiful. Yeah. If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? Hug yourself every single day because you need a hug every single day. <laughs> It's going to be a whole bunch of days you're not going to get one. Hug yourself every day. You are beautiful. You are wonderful. And I'm never leaving you. Lastly, Heather, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, your corner of the world, your tribe, your people, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What words of wisdom would you impart? Probably what I just said to myself. Hug yourself every day. And if you can, hug somebody else every day. Because we all want love. We all want love. And so make certain you're loving yourself as much as you can and make certain you let yourself receive love as much as you can. Heather, thank you so much. Beautiful way to end the interview. Thank you very much for your time. It has been an incredibly beautiful, inspirational, thoughtful, educational 
conversation. You are a beautiful soul. I am so grateful to be connected to you, to have you as a member of the Empowerography community. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you and the beautiful light that you're putting out into the world through who you are and the work you do. I'm so honored. I'm so glad that we're now friends because we're now friends. (laughs) We are. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for inspiring such a beautiful talk. Thank you for asking such important questions. And thank you for being willing to give me and your listeners the opportunity to love upon ourselves and each other and on you. (laughs) It is my pleasure and my honor. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Heather Brown. She is a psychotherapist, a licensed marriage and family therapist, a TEDx speaker, an author, and relationship expert. Heather, thank you so much. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. You as well. Bless you. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.